Hi, this is Brooke Lurie, and this is the Brooke Lurie Podcast. Always a pleasure. Ari, David is with me, my producer. And Hello. We uh, have a lot to discuss, so I'm going to jump into it right away. Uh, one of the um, recent developments, and this is from Colorado, this is on the heels of the New Mexico case, I believe, and there was an Arizona case um, previously where certain vendors performing services typically associated with weddings were forced, that's right, forced to provide those services uh, in connection with gay weddings where they previously didn't want to. One was a florist, I believe. The other was a photographer. I forget which state recorded which, which but that's neither here nor there. Um, and I, I, we thought, you and I, that to some extent they were outliers or maybe we we're hoping that they were outliers and this was bizarre and these were outlier cases. Turns out, not so. And in Colorado, there was recently a decision, very similar, and it was this time it was a baker. And a baker who refused to provide a cake for a celebration of a gay wedding. In other words, I, I guess they had gotten married already, and uh, they were having some sort of celeb celebratory party, and now they were going to have a celebration. And, and this guy said, no, no way, I'm not going to do it. And apparently the reason why is that he didn't believe in gay marriage and he didn't want to advance the cause of gay marriage. Okay. So the state of Colorado required him to do so, found him liable for failing to, or for, for discriminating against gays. And uh, now, as it turns out, he's also, he's decided to just quit the business altogether. He's disgusted by the whole thing. But I, I you know, I think that is a consequence. I think people will, will start closing up shops. Um, but that's not really why I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm really more concerned about the decided diminishment of our freedoms. That is the bizarre world that we are finding ourselves in. Look, you know, if you, if you, um, uh, if you want to really take this further, uh, think about all the possible things, the ramifications about this, right? It's not, it all sounds nice and well, as it always is with so many liberal policies, uh, when you just take it in one narrow sense. But then, of course, you have to take it to its natural conclusion. So what about if you force clergy, whether that's a priest or rabbi, a reverend, uh, uh, even an imam, to um, perform gay weddings? Is that, is that the next thing? What's the difference? If you, if you think there's a difference, you let me know. Okay? I, I don't think you'll be able to find a difference. Oh, wait a minute. You're saying that's because the imam and the priest and the reverend and the rabbi, they're all religious, so they get to be anti-gay? Is that the idea? Well, I, I don't think you'll let that. So, but wait a minute. The baker was doing on religious grounds. So it only depends whether you have a license to be a clergyman. Is that is that the new deal? Or you're only allowed to be religious during the hours designated by the Sabbath. <laughs> okay. But, but the, no, but that's what the Supreme I, Court said. I, I agree. I, I, I understand that. But this is where we're at. Yes. So it's a silly argument. It's a bizarre. It's actually, it's not so silly as it is completely disingenuous and completely inane. And it, it bothers me because I, you know, normally speaking, Ari, when, when you and I talk about the consequences of liberal policies, we talk about them in a, in a context of, you know, gosh, they didn't really think about this. Um, taking affirmative ex action, for example, not realizing that, that this would lead to um, 
that itself is an inherently racist, uh, but that it would actually lead to a destruction of the very people that they're trying to help. Yeah, more disadvantage for the right. disadvantage. Right. But, you, but you could consequence. Right. But you could argue uh, as a liberal on that saying, gosh, we didn't know. We weren't thinking that far ahead. Maybe we should have, but, you know, how did we know? We, we really thought that by placing minorities into uh, more elite schools, for example, even with a very low GPA, that somehow they would rise to the occasion and everything would be hunky-dory. We, we really thought with busing, for example, that by forcing parents to bring their white kids into previously poorer neighborhoods, that that, that would cause them to be more into the system. Of course, I was naive and Pollyannish, but I, I understand why they thought that. But here, this is different. Uh, here, they should... It, it doesn't take that much more intellectual curiosity to ask the question of what what's next, right? Um, to simply say we should we should find somebody civilly for and force him to provide baking services. I mean, it's just too easy to ask the question, what's next, right? Should we force an, a, a Muslim to provide uh, baking services to a Jew uh, and vice versa? Should, uh, like Should we, just, we require a Jew to pour, to cook with pork products because his customers want a party catered with bacon? Oh, that's a good example. Uh, it, it, anything. It, it, the, I mean, the, it's, it's, the slippery slope that liberals love to cite on this one is so steep. It's, it's crazy. And so lubricated. It's unbelievable. Right. The other thing... So, so wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I, I need to go somewhere with this. Here is a situation where... An, Remember what I told you before about these, these lawyers that troll different buildings only to see, that's right, you guessed it, whether you have the Proposition 65 notices on your building. This is in California, Proposition 65, where you have um, a bunch of placards in front of the building that says, warning, uh, this building is known by the state of California to contain hazardous substances that may uh, provide cancer or whatever. Words to that effect, right? You've Not seen that it. there is chemicals located there, but the, it is required that there's a sign that just says this place may have it. Right. So those so you, sensitive are right. warned. Right. So what is the result of that? The, the You have a bunch of people trolling the city, and for that matter, the state, looking to see whether or not a particular commercial building, has to be a certain size, I believe, uh, has this, this ridiculous sign. And if it doesn't, there are massive penalties. And that's the way it is, right? Why do I bring up Proposition 65? Do you see where I'm going with this? I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Because why not go to, as, as a gay couple, why not go to every vendor From in the city? business to business to business. And just say, okay, I want to try this florist. Oh, we, we just got married. You know, here's my husband. And you hold hands and you maybe even kiss each other in the cheek. And you know or suspect that this particular vendor... Uh, it's not so hot to trot when it comes to homosexuality. Yeah, because it's called Jesus Christ's Glories Florist. That's right. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that, right. So, so you go one after uh, the other after the other. Same thing exactly. And you get to call them anti-gay. You get to call them homophobic. And you think you're doing such a great thing for society. 
and you get to collect a lot of money along the way. Yeah, and you made the point earlier why they attack Christians instead of others. So they'd go to Jesus Christ's glory flowers. They would not go to uh, Muhammad's flowers and, and sparkly gifts. Right. And they, of course, would not go to the gay Berlin flower and cabaret show florist. Right. Okay? Because they clearly fit their agenda. Right. No, it clearly... It, what, what it just becomes a hunting expedition. What, what I'm fascinated saying. about is the what will inevitably be the selective enforcement, right? I mean, there's no way that the police or, for that matter, a civil lawsuit will ever be brought against um, a Muslim imam uh, who refuses to provide gay services. No, thank you. <laughs> be careful on that one, right? Um, I mean, how, how are you going to do this? So it, obviously it's gonna, it, they're going to go for the low-hanging fruit. In this case, it's the Christian's who sadly don't fight back strongly enough. I think they need to stand up a little bit more. But that's another issue for another day. That's where we're at. That is uh, the, the days for the future. And what I said on my Sunday show is, look how fast the issues have changed. Look how scary this is. I mean, it's one thing to say, I, I want us to all accept gays as equally in marriage, in the world of marriage, as anybody else. I understand why they want that. You can make a very legitimate argument for that. But it's a far cry for them turning around. I mean, it seems like they're turning around almost instantly and saying, now you better do what I want you to do. Yeah. And you better provide services. And by golly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find you in, in civil contempt of all sorts if you don't do this. And start out with, we just want acceptance. And many people said, okay, we accept, but a few happen not to accept. And instead of just saying, well, forget them, let it go, they're now bringing the force of law and, and government coercion on these people. Right. And it won't stop with a baker who announces his uh, opposition to gay marriage, as, as this baker in Colorado did. It'll continue on with any time a gay couple... Um, is is somehow refuted or somehow even a gay person just forget about gay couple is somehow turned away from a job opportunity or um it, you know somebody gives him a funny look or doesn't give him uh, that second hamburger that he was at ordering or whatever it is or close the door on him because you know by golly it's 10 o'clock and it's closing time sir and uh but you opened the door for somebody last night at 10:01 i think you did it because you discriminated against me as a gay person and, but I didn't say that. I don't care whether you said that, sir. I think that's what you think. Yeah. And I'm suing you for that. That's what's going to happen. So the baker, he actually opined. He actually gave his uh, opinion on the matter. But it, it'll, it'll go further than that. It'll now extend to perceived thoughts. That's right. Not tangible thoughts, not right. tangible ashes. And the other thing that, that strikes me about this is compromise would have been so much easier and more productive for the advocates of, of the gay marriage movement if they had just said, look, we want this, and we know this is not going to rub everyone the right way, so we are going to, in any state that this law passes, we're going to exempt all clergy from being forced to do this. We're going to exempt any person who doesn't want to acknowledge this or... or, or uh, do work for our ceremonies. We right. understand there are objections that are reasonable. All right, let me stop you about that. But I know that's, that would be asking too much from liberals. Well, well, that's exactly what happened in Arizona. 
they tried to pass a law that said exactly that, that um, you are allowed not to provide services to gay couples um, if it's on moral or religious grounds. And um, Governor Brewer, I believe her name is, uh, struck it down because she said it was too vague. Uh, and that was, you know, a great cause for celebration in Arizona on this very issue. Very, um, very peculiar, this whole situation. And, um, and now, of course, what it, what it sends a signal is that you can go after people regardless of their religious beliefs. So very, very strange thing. Now, you may like it as maybe you're a gay person yourself. Uh, maybe you're very pro-gay and you think this is a good opportunity to really turn the tide. Be careful, folks. Be careful what you want. You just might get it. Um, and it, it doesn't stop here. Could I make a quick announcement? This I know might be sort of an advertisement. Yeah. I've never baked a cake in my life. I've baked some pies. But I just want to tell any gay couples out there who are thinking about getting married, I will accept your money and I will bake a cake for you. <laughs> it might be of dubious quality, but I'm a capitalist and I want business. Oh, yeah. No, so I... I will bake your cake for you. That's it right. might be lot lumpy, lopsided, not taste very good, but I will do it. Likewise, I'll, I'll do the same. <laughs> <laughs> because we're capitalists. Right. Maybe, maybe I'll have to charge a little bit more. Because I have, to, I have a learning curve, you know, but that's neither here nor there. I, look, but but it's just obscene what's going on now. So it just I, I don't know where to to start. Not even not even the not even the black community was aggressive about this as as what we're seeing now. And we as Jews, you know, when we were turned away from this or that uh, job, no less, I or mean, forget, college or country club. Yeah, forget, forget about. Baking cakes. I mean, we were we were rejected from very important things in life that, that are considered the obstacles, or sorry, the the key advancers of life. Whether that's a college, a job, a law firm, uh, we were constantly rejected. What did we do? We created our own law firms. We, we created our own country clubs, our own university. Exactly right. And uh, it, it's people would be hard pressed to say that Jews have not thrived, uh, certainly in America. So, you know that 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 is maybe a very good response to it. And simply to say, you don't take my business? F you. I'll just go to the baker next door. There are plenty of, of businesses. Look, and I'm a lawyer. Uh, I can tell you that, I mean, I, I would never discriminate against somebody who came into me because they're a gay couple. If, I'm not a family law lawyer, but if a gay couple came in and they had a divorce or, or maybe a prenup that they want to do, I, I would help them out. I mean, it's, that's not my... I, I, I'm happy to take their business, Right. And why would I be happy? Because I know that um, they, they can easily go to another lawyer. I mean, I'm not the only lawyer in town. I think I'm a very good lawyer. I think I have a lot of savvy and moxie. But I also happen to think that there are a lot of other lawyers that are savvy and, and have moxie as well and, and know how to get things done. I'm, I'm not the only one who can help them achieve what they want to achieve from a legal standpoint. And uh, I'd be stupid uh, to turn away their business. Not only that, but... You know, perhaps they would just simply, I'd get the reputation, you know, this, uh, this, this particular lawyer doesn't want to provide services to people just because they're gay, and uh, I don't get the referrals and everything else. I mean, it's just stupid. In business, as Voltaire said, and it's probably the only thing he ever said that I, I agree with, is that racism and prejudice of any kind is stupid. It's bad for business. Yeah, and I think it goes to the core of the situation with this gay baker and shows how penal the, the opponents uh, and and how retributive they want to be is right. 
him losing business through lack of reputation wasn't enough. He, they didn't just want to destroy him. They wanted to salt his fields. Yeah, salting the fields is exactly the right uh, expression here. It's, um, you know, it's just bad enough. I mean, my point is, and Voltaire's point was, you engage in prejudice, you know what? You're going to suffer in business. And you're going to suffer badly. Um, and so don't do it. I mean, it's just unwise of you from an economic point of view. That's enough, folks. That is enough. You don't have to overdo it. And um, this guy, the baker, would have lost business as a result of this. And he might even develop a reputation. And maybe he would have realized, gosh, I, I'm, I'm really uh, losing business because I took the stand that is so uh, unacceptable. And, uh, and then he, he might have actually turned around. But now, instead, he becomes a martyr. I mean, I'm, I'm saying it from the perspective of the gay couple. Would you, do you want to make him a martyr? Do you want him to make a great cause out of this? Instead, all you're doing is you're just stirring up the, the conservative base, or I should say that you're stirring up the religious base to fight back. It's just very unwise. Yeah, the last the thing, thing you ever want to do to a Christian is crucify them. The last thing you ever want to do to a Muslim is martyr them. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. you, because then they become a symbol for people who do agree with them. Well, the classic example is the abortion debate. Roe v. Wade, uh, you know, conservatives were very, uh, you know, very calm about things. They, they, were, they were happy to just kind of let things be. They, they understood that the country ebbs and flows with things that social programs that they may or may not like. But then Roe v. Wade hit, and that's what galvanized the right. And they said, whoa, 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 something's going crazy in our country. We've got to stop this now. And uh, I don't know how smart, if, if, you could, if you could personify a movement, we'll call this the gay marriage movement, right? And make it a person, we'll call him John Smith. Uh, I would say, I don't know how wise John Smith is being. Uh, I don't know if, if his judgment is very smart here, because if you really wanted acceptance of the gay community, and gay marriage for that matter, uh, you would have just stopped at the gay marriage success and it's been a success. There's no doubt about it. Every state in the union will have it eventually soon enough. Um, you just kind of lay low, just stop. And you have your, and just, you know, get people to get to know you. Instead, the image that you're creating, I'm talking about John Smith now is the gay, the gay marriage, yeah, yeah, the gay marriage advocate. Yeah. The advocate like, Oh, he just, he said he just wanted X, but now he wants more and more and more. What's, you know, he, he looks like the guy that you give him an inch and he takes a mile. And when that happens, then uh, you, you, you end up having a very bad taste in your mouth about that person, right? I mean, ideologies are like people. They have personalities. For example, when I, when I talk to you about um, pro-life, you have a certain image of that, right, in your head. There is a certain amount of energy associated with that. Now, it's obviously it's viewed differently from the pro-choice side of the equation. But you and I, when, I, when we think of pro-life, we think of good people and such. But we also think of people who are very animated, right? There's energy associated with that. Um, if, I, if I talk to you about um, um, environmentalism, we all think of people who are very active and you know, trying to get in the way of trains. And, and maybe there's some whaling issues and such like that. Um, but there are other issues that are, are much more calm. You know, it's uh, the issue of whether or not, oh, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't going to say global warming because that, that's a very animating issue. Um, but things that are kind of like 
understood or they're quieter. Um, gosh, I wish I could keep think of an example. I don't think there are any anymore. I think I think activists, yeah, on their side, on the left, have wrecked every issue. That there's nothing that we can just have a quiet discussion about. Well, but but even okay, here's something that you can talk about. When we think, when I think of Christian, I don't think of a very uh, vocal person or a very uh, fire and brimstone sort of guy. I think of somebody who is pleasant, somebody who wants to uh, simply embrace God, live with God, and, and is not, you know, pounding me over the head with it. Um, you know, it's 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 not the issue of the day. It's not as if um, anyone's trying to force uh, force Christianity down my throat. Likewise, prayers in school. I don't think that that is an issue as much as people think. There is a there's limited amount of discussion about it, but you're not going to see people really hammering that point home. Abortion, different story. That's a much more antagonistic issue. Likewise with global warming. Uh, likewise with... Uh, Minimum wage, taxes, spending, national security. Right. There, there's a ton of issues. And, and now here comes this personality coming in, and we're thinking about gay marriage. And up to now, gay marriage, the perception of gay marriage was such that, okay, well, here are these nice people. They just want the same rights that we heterosexuals have, at least in the marriage context, and probably in all contexts, but certainly in the marriage context, that was the last frontier. Wouldn't this be nice? And so, okay, fine. And the, 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 America says, fine, no problem. We embrace you. And then they say, okay, now that we're, we're in, the, in the house, so to speak, I want this and I want that. <laughs> like, it's, it, it reminds me of, of the episode of, this, of The Simpsons where uh, they take on this guy because they felt you know, they wanted to help him out. He was a little bit down on his side Sideshow Bob, I think. It was Gil. Gil is always there. And, and then sure enough, he just starts taking over the place and they can't seem to get rid of him. And they realize this is a big issue for him. And they don't know how to get rid of him. Now, uh, I'm not equating him to Gil per se. He's not a messy person. He's not evil. But nevertheless, it's a different personality than we originally expected. Very frustrating. Well, look, um, I wanted to uh, talk about another issue. And you and your issues. <laughs> that's right. You know, someday you just need to do a podcast where you go, I'm not going to talk about any issues. I have nothing here. You know, we're just going to do 90 minutes of crocheting. <laughs> crocheting on the radio. It's funny you say that. Now, some people are very animated about crocheting, but we're not going to go <laughs> the there. The Norwegian one. Yes, oh, yes, you told me about that one. That's NPR for you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the issue of the day, and actually what I really wanted to kind of get into, and we, we ended up speaking so much more about this very um, interesting, you know, bizarre situation in Colorado. I guess it deserved to, to be spoken about at length. But here I want to speak about the VA. The VA, a very different issue, of course, but why do I want to bring this up? We've, we've talked about it briefly before. Uh, the Veterans Administration is such a shameful episode in our national discussion, right? Here is a complete disrespect for the veterans, the very people that the administration was set to help out. It's just utterly contemptible. 40, up to 40 men have died in the process of waiting for needed surgeries. And yeah, I'm sure that uh, those on the other side will say that's an exaggeration. It probably was no more than six people and the others, so they're just kind of exaggerating that point. I don't care if it's one person. There's no reason why somebody should be waiting that long because of bureaucracy. 
But that's the nature of bureaucracy, isn't it? And here's, here's my main point on this. Uh, we've talked before about this is the nature of government. That if you, if you, if you want to see what Obamacare will look like, you need no, look no further than the VA, right? We talked about this before. That VA situation is a microcosm of the way the government works. Okay, so we, we talked about that. But I'm, I'm more interested in a different topic off of the VA situation, and that's this. How could they have not known about this? How could they have not understood that this would be an issue at all? My point is, you, you so, so often see these, these people getting caught in this or that bribery situation. The city of Bell, for example, in California, remember this, where all these officials in Bell, it's a small town in Northern California, that uh, it, it, where all this corruption was happening, they were just stealing right and left, and they were all in on it, everyone. And it's not as if they, they, they got a bunch of mafiosos there who decided to take over and, and they had criminal intent. They actually thought they were doing everything just fine. Or even more specifically, they were doing everything just fine. Right, it was the they norm. They got the city council to sign off on everything that happened. It was legal. Right, they made it the norm. And here's, and when we look at it in hindsight or outside, we say, how could you possibly have thought that this was okay? And yet they did. But the city of Bell are not the only people doing it. Right, there's there are people doing it all the time, and they get caught. And in Vernon, and Stockton, and San Bernardino, uh, in uh, the um, school district uh, near Inglewood. They were paying a uh, school superintendent like 800000 a year, and they bought him his own million-dollar house. Sure. To have a, and he was the superintendent of three high schools. Right. But, but, they, but that superintendent didn't think that he was doing anything wrong. And somewhere along the line in the government context, usually it's a government context or government dealings, somebody is saying to that person, hey, don't worry about it. Everyone's doing this. Everyone's doing This that. is the way it works. You know, it's your turn. And you've uh, earned it. You yeah, you've earned it. It's like, how else are you going to get your money? So this is part of the process and everything else. And, and you just kind of go along with it. I'm not saying that we would ever do that. I'm just saying they kind of go along with this. And, and the, the, the press is full of these stories where people are just suddenly caught with their pants down. And they don't even realize that their pants are down until someone says, don't you think that was really wrong? And then they're suddenly they realize, oh, my – when, when they go up to the, to the microphone, they say, I can't believe what we did, and I'm so sorry about this. If I could, I would change back everything. And I think they really mean it, not because they got caught, but because it suddenly dawned upon them how obviously wrong it was. How could you possibly be taking these bribes? How could you be possibly participating in this blackmail? How could you be possibly be taking so much money from the taxpayers, $800,000, as you say, for a superintendent? How could you be uh, allowing government expenses to, to, uh, to be uh, applied for a private, um, a private contract. I mean, how did you, how was this okay? And they just kind of go along with it. And this is my main point. A friend of mine, for example, the other day, uh, he was actually, he had a developer friend, contracting developer friend. You'll like this one. And, and he's, he's a liberal. And, he tells me how his friend is going to give him a great deal on his house, the house that he's going to build for him. Um, how so? The developer is simply going to expense some of the expenses associated with 
his house, the liberal's house, to another project he's working on. And, and the, 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 my friend is telling me, like, oh, he's just going to expense it to somebody else. Like, that, that's cool. And I stopped him and I said, we'll call him John. John, are you listening to yourself? You're okay with that? You're basically saying you're going to cause somebody else to eat the cost of something that you should be eating the cost for. Do you think that would be fair? How would you like it if, if somebody else's paint job, for example, was certainly charged to you and hoped that it was just kind of tucked in the numbers there? How would you like that? And, and literally, John, this liberal guy that I was telling you about, he just, his, his face blanched and, and he, he realized, yeah, I guess that's wrong. And I said, yes, it is wrong. You, you can't do that. I mean, and, and you could really be in trouble, by the way, from a legal point of view, if you participated in this, if you knew about this. But, but, but how is this okay with you? How, and, and he said, you know, I, I guess I just didn't even think of it that way. And I said, that is the problem of government involvement in all these, these organizations. They get by with the weirdest crap that you just can't fathom in any other private industry because of accountability and otherwise. Or lack thereof. Yeah, maybe lack, of, lack of accountability. Lack of accountability does, it leads to so many horrible vices. Yeah, and you're talking about in public schools, at the VA hospital, in, at the post office, in, in the IRS, every government agency where they have a budget and they can do this stuff, both federal, state, local, community, every level. And when right. you have people who lose touch with their ethics, this right. is what happens. Well, and here's the question. This is the ultimate question. This is the epiphany I had when we were talking about not just the government issues, but all those moments where people are just so surprised and it suddenly dawns upon them that what they've been doing for perhaps years is just horribly wrong. And, and it's like they thought there was nothing wrong with it for all these years, possibly because they've gotten away with it for so, many, so long that they don't realize it, that it's wrong anymore. Um, and they just need that assurance that everyone else is doing it, so it's okay if they do it. So what is the thing that can make you suddenly realize that this is wrong? There's only one thing, and that's God. Having a moral compass connected directly to your sense of God is the only way that you can truly make good decisions to understand when something is wrong. That is the total point of what I'm trying to make here. It, it's, this is, that, that's the point I'm trying to make. You cannot possibly resist this sense of what is normal unless you have an outside objective standard. And so the atheist will say in response, Barack, what are you talking about? I, I have a sense of right and wrong. And I know what's right, and I go with my heart, or whatever it is, or things that are logical and such like that. I ask myself the question, you know, is it good for, you know, would I like the same thing, and, and would I like it if it's done to me and such? But they don't. And that liberal friend I was telling you about, he was an atheist. He was the one who, he, he held himself in a very high standard. He thought that he always did the moral right thing to do. But the reality was that um, it was totally normal for him. All of a sudden, he normalized it with this whole contractor thing, the expensing thing. He didn't actually do it, by the way, in his defense, but I had to tell him ahead of time, don't do this. Because the voice, when God is involved, you always ask, what does God expect of me? 
not what is the law, but what does God expect of me? Because those are two very different things. And two very different standards. Right. Uh, I mean, for, let's use the speeding example because it always is so helpful because they're so simple to understand. Let's say the law on a, on a highway is that you can drive 75 miles an hour. Okay. And you see a deer or even a small you know, person um, on, the, on the highway. And you say to yourself, you know, I'm going to go 75 miles an hour. I'm allowed to go 75 miles an hour. And um, I'll try to avoid hitting him, but, uh, but you know. Why should I'm, I slow down? The law says I can do this. Right. I'm within my rights. Right. And so you go forward, and uh, unfortunately, very sadly, you either hit that person or that deer, whatever, whatever the situation is. And um, suddenly you say, and so your response is, I, I didn't do anything wrong. But if, if you had a sense of God, he would say, I don't care what the law is. You've got to do the right thing here. Yes. And the right thing is to slow down dramatically, not, not assert your rights on this. You, you might kill somebody. You might even kill yourself in the process. If you hit a deer, you right. Rape. But there are many things you can do that are, uh, that are very devious while doing everything perfectly within the law. And you have to, you know, that's one of the mitzvot is that you, you, can, you can observe all the laws and still be a jerk. Or still do something very nefarious. So only God, that sense of God, really gives you that sense of objective standard that is not created by man. That's the only way. And, and that's what the whole VA thing has come to me to mean. That's why I, brought, I want to bring it up. I, I don't want to say this is a classic example of government uh, overreach and government lack of accountability. Yeah, that's obvious. You're trying to it's make obvious. a more profound point. Yeah, I, I just, it just, these people are just like, they're so floored, floored that this is happening. But now going to Obama, I think Obama was totally surprised. He knew this was all going on. He, we, we now know it, right? But this is not a question of like, um, Watergate and when did you know it and what did you know and all that stuff. We know that he knew about all this stuff. He just didn't see it as a crisis of any kind. He didn't see it as a big deal at all. Well, in his defense with the IRS and Benghazi and Fast and Furious, he's been a little bit busy. I mean, <laughs> this that in this one situation, I will grant him, we have been making his life a little miserable on other issues. So it's understandable this one kind of slipped by there. But it's funny you mentioned those things, and I know you meant it as a joke, but, but there's, there's more seriousness to the whole thing because I was going to bring up those things. Like that it was okay for him, for example, to let the IRS target conservative groups. Where was anybody saying to him, Mr. President, this is going to really look bad if anyone comes and, and asks questions about this? Because no one, no one thought about ask, uh, even posing that question. It was just so, this is something we can do. This is a weapon we can use to get the bad guys. Uh, bad guys being the conservative groups. Uh, likewise with Benghazi. Or just, throwing de- nice little Dinesh D'Souza in jail. Yes. I, uh, how is he a danger to right. anyone? Is it, it, no one asked the question. If they, if they, I think this goes to your point. If they did their actions in, with God in mind, the levers of law enforcement would say to themselves, the mechanisms of prosecution and incarceration are there to both punish and to protect society from 
those people who are dangerous. Why should we throw this little pencil neck geek in jail? He's not going to hurt anyone. That's right. There is, uh, well, I mean, Dinesh D'Souza is, is a, such a, uh, it's a great example of it, but, but I'm just talking about the larger issues. Benghazi, for example, um, this notion that um, we'll go ahead and just fake this whole uh, background facts, set of facts on this. I don't think anyone thought for a moment that anyone would, would question them on this issue and that everyone would just kind of play along and this is what we do. You know, this is the way we parlay our story, Mr. President, and that's the way. And I, I really think that's what he thinks. And it just doesn't dawn upon him that he needs to just be very straight up with the American people. He doesn't deal with that. And the IRS is another example. Fast and Furious is another example. He, he, Fast and Furious, I mean, it just drives me nuts. Where they actually had a drug-running operation and where they're actually giving guns to gun the bad guys. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Gun-running. Giving it to the other side and, and somehow that this would, would be okay? Uh, where was the voice? Where was it? But we see it time and time again with this administration. They just don't have that moral compass. They don't have that voice. They don't stop to say, what is the right thing with a capital R? I mean, my brother made a great movie called The Contender back in 2000. My brother is Rod Lurie, a great director. He's an A-list director. He's made so many great movies. He's probably most famous uh, right now for uh, The Contender. He also did a TV show called uh, Commander-in-Chief with Gina Davis. And, um, and a great movie I loved called uh, The Last Castle with Robert Redford. Great movie. But all of his movies have something I really love, and, and they are themes of principle, standing on principle and saying, you got to do the right thing here. And uh, The Contender is such a classic example of that. You know, uh, the character played by um, Joan Allen, she's the vice president of the United States, or she's being nominated for the vice presidency, and uh, the other political party, yes, the conservatives, are trying to demonize her, and they dig up something from her past that suggests some salacious sexual behavior, and uh, she won't have any of it. She's not going to not deny it. But she, she feels the question, posing the question itself is wrong, even though she never did what they accused her of doing. So she stood on principle. I love that. But where is the principle? Is there a principle at all in this administration? And I, I know that a lot of Republicans are guilty of lacking principle as well. But I'm, you know, they, and they should have principle, of course. But we're talking right now about this presidential administration. I see such a lack of any principle. No guiding force that tells them the difference between right and wrong. No character. No character. And it's especially galling considering they have the media in their hip pocket. I mean, if I had all the advantages in life, if, if, let's pull a term from the left here, Barack. If white privilege was all it was supposed to be cracked up to be, and they dropped a couple uh, bags of gold on my doorstep every morning, you know what? I'd be, I would live life very cautiously with the excesses I'd engage in. Right. I'd do my best not to rub it in to the non-whites. Right. Exactly right. You know, and, and th- this president has the equivalent of that. But a president with the media, that much in their back pocket is such a huge advantage that you'd think they'd go overboard in not engaging in things that are moral or legal excesses. Well, well here I, I have to disagree with you a little bit because the media is enabling him to do the very things that we're talking about. He thinks in his mind that, for example, Benghazi, 
he can parlay this story and the media will just eat it all up. And that's the way they the story really is. It was a uh, video that caused the, these, uh, those, these riots. It was all spontaneous. And that's the reason why things happened. And, um, but, if, but if Obama had a cautious, skeptical media on him all the time, as George Bush did, as, as Reagan did, it. we would never try it in the first place. I mean, to some extent, you know, that's good for us, we conservatives. When we have a conservative president... Um, it really holds him to account. Maybe too much so because they don't give him any breathing room at all. But he knows he can't do, get away with any crap at all. We, we are held to a higher standard. That's the point. And Israel's held to a, the higher standard the same way. We Jews are held to a very high standard as well. Because we, we, and we know that to the extent that uh, something bad happens that, that in Israel, if Israel does something that any other country uh, does all the time, but it, it, when Israel does it, that's when the cameras start focusing on Israel. That, it, that's just the reality of the day. And we conservatives have much higher scrutiny upon us than, than the liberals do. Let me give another example of what I'm talking about. There are, um, you know, we have laws in America that um, strictly prohibit uh, underage sex and, of course, pornography and such, child pornography. And uh, those laws are very good, and that's the way it should be. And uh, we should impose maximum enforcement because uh, sexuality is such a um, horrific crime to throw upon a, a young child, boy or girl. And uh, it, it changes them. It, it's completely, it's, it's a vicious, vicious crime. And yet, if you go uh, to certain countries, uh, I won't even mention them because I don't want to encourage anyone. But you can go to a different country, and they may have different laws. And they may very well say that it's okay to engage in underage sex um, because they don't have any laws to that effect. And they make certain things that we would find completely unacceptable available to willing buyers and sellers. That, that's right. To, to them, it's a different way of, of looking at it. And they, and they will make you say, this is part of our culture, and you see these girls a certain way, and they, they seem to be smiling, and it's not a big deal to them. And, um, or so you think, and so you can convince yourself, I'm going to have some fun. And that is too easy for a lot of people to do. But if you have the voice of God in your brain all the time saying, this ain't right, and you know it ain't right, I don't care what the laws are in that particular country, I don't care if you're not going to be thrown into prison for this, you know it's wrong. Stop it right now. Um, so... It just, it, you have to ask yourself the question, where does this all go? What can we, if, you, if you're asking the question, what can we get away with? Then maybe you ought to rethink your entire life. That's a great point. Well, folks, I hope you enjoy the show. This is a, a very serious one, two very serious issues dealing with a lot with consequences and where we should be but uh but we deal with serious issues here folks this is barack lurie this has been the lurie law podcast thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you next week